Connection, the all-new Ragin' Cajun, 102.7 FM. Hey, good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. It is play-by-play coming to you live here on this Tuesday. Casey Gistler here enjoying my Tuesday morning, and I hope the same for everybody who's listening at home. We've got a fun-filled 90 minutes of sports talk coming your way throughout the rest of the show. Uh, in the next segment, we're going to Keegan Pokey LaRose Cutoff Middle School. They've got a big one tonight. They're hosting Raceland tonight at 6 o'clock. We'll ask Coach Pokey about some of the things that his team is looking to get accomplished as they're trying to stay undefeated. We had a wild, wild Monday night football game last night. We'll talk about that at noon. Some very interesting decisions were made. Some very questionable decisions were made. We'll chat about that with you all as we begin our 12 o'clock lunchtime hour. At 12.15, we've got Mr. Stan Gravois. It's Tuesday. It's our Terrebonne General Tuesday. We'll be chatting with Stan about all the happenings in local sports. And we'll even branch out and talk a little Saints. We'll talk a little LSU. We'll chat about a lot of stuff with Stan. Then Stan usually runs over, so we go about old 12.40-ish. We'll have another peek through the headlines at some things happening in the world of sports. Then at the bottom of the show, 12.50-ish, we'll have our betting picks, and then we'll get out of here on this beautiful Tuesday. And look, it is a beautiful Tuesday. It is good weather. The sun is out. The temperature is a little more comfortable than it's been. It is a beautiful, beautiful day to be in southeast Louisiana. Let's thank our sponsors today for allowing us to be here. We've got a wonderful team, and we thank them so much for their support. The Blue Boot Foundation, Southland Dodge and Homa, Industrial Power Systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. Do friend building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz off the only all natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. And also a reminder join us on Saturdays at 10 o'clock for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Gravaugh and myself for the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts. Presented by Terrebonne General, sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Another reminder, join us this Friday for Varsity High School football coverage. Pre-game 6.30, kickoff 7 o'clock. We've got the Tarpons, we've got the Trojans, Parish Rivals doing battle in Egaliano. Our broadcast is, as always, sponsored by 3T Oil, Lady of the Sea General Hospital, State Bank and Trust Company, Advanced Eye Institute, State Farm Agent Ashley Barrios, Danos, Golden Motors, Dufresne Building Materials, Tanner McGee for Judge Court of Appeals, Thibodeau Regional Medical Center, Joe Septic Contractors, Terrebonne General Medical Center, Southland Dodge, Rouse's Markets, South Lafouche Bank, Rev, and last but not least, Heather Hendricks, candidate for Lafouche Parish Judge Division A. And then, of course, when the action goes final, stick around for After the Lights, presented by Grand Isle Shipyard. GIS started as a modest company in 1948 and has now blossomed to employ over 2,600 people throughout their GIS family of companies. GIS embraces the highest levels of safety, technology, and operational excellence to give their clients and projects a competitive edge on a global scale. Learn more and join their team at GISY.com. We're thankful to them for their support, and our first two After the Lights have actually been pretty doggone good. Hope everybody has enjoyed. Now, let's talk about this. Um, little high school football segment to open up the show as we always do. Week three is going to be a big one around the state, man. We're going to learn a lot. A lot, a lot about our local teams, and we're going to break down and preview some of those matchups as we get um, 
a little farther down the road in the week. But I promised you yesterday that I would talk about all of the madness that went down in Baton Rouge last week. Um, so we're going to do that today. I didn't want to take away from the, the weekend of football on Monday. I didn't want to take away from the Saints game and LSU's win and all that good stuff. But I did want to talk about that today. The LHSAA has further refined and further identified and further reclassified what is a public school and what is a private school. Or, in their language, what is a select school and what is a non-select school. For our purposes here, because select and select are very confusing terms, we're going to just stick with public and private, okay? <clears throat> the local schools who are most impacted for football are South Lafouche and South Terrible. They are moving from 4A basically to 5A. Um, now, it's not going to be called 5A. It's going to be called Division One because they're breaking the, the public school classifications into four groups, one through four. South Lafouche and South Terrebonne are moving to Division One, which is the largest scale of public school classifications. Ellender and Assumption are staying where they are for just football. But for basketball, baseball, softball, they are moving also to the D- Division One with the big dogs, South Lafouche, South Terrebonne. And then in addition, you know, Central Lafouche, HL, Bourgeois, Saint Amant, you know, West Monroe, Zachary, all the big powerhouse schools. A couple of things here. One, the timing that this went down, doing this in the middle of football, in the middle of September, during a sports season, laying this on the Louisiana high schools in the middle of a Friday and just saying, well, here it is, y'all deal with it, is criminally inept. And I say that knowing That it's criminally inept, even for an LHSAA, which is by and large an inept organization to begin with. But even for them, this is criminally inept. If they want to make big changes within the organization, they should have made big changes within the organization. Either A, during the annual convention in January when everybody's there, or B, during the summer so we had a lot of time to prepare for this. To which you're saying, oh, Casey, well, they did do it over the summer. It's just the appeals that carried it out into September. Well, once those appeals carried into the start of a season, they should have then said, okay, this begins next school year, not the current one. Because it's unfair for every high school in Louisiana to have made their schedules already, to have planned for a system that they thought was going to be in place, and then during the season be told, oh, Everything that you planned for, nope, sorry, we're doing this instead. That's ridiculous. For a ridiculous organization, even that is ridiculous. That's the first thing. For the second thing that I would like to bring up, why are we still only split amongst select sports? And I don't, I, I shouldn't have said select sports because that's confusing. You guys are going to think select, non-select. Why are we only split for certain sports? Maybe that's a better way to say it. All of this guidance that we have received is for football. It's for boys basketball. It's for girls basketball. It's for baseball. It's for softball. We still don't have any type of split for volleyball. We still don't have any type of split for swimming, for track and field, for soccer. Those are some of the sports where the private schools have an even greater competitive advantage. A public school hasn't won the state championship in volleyball in a long time. 
Soccer is the same way. Swimming is the same way. Track and field is the same way. And I just can't for the life of me understand, despite all of these discussions that we continue to have around the state about splitting or not splitting or, you know, public schools, private schools, charter schools, magnet schools, open enrollment schools, blah, 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 blah. Why hasn't anyone in the room said, hey, why are we doing this for just these sports? Why are we not doing this for everything? And that's long been my argument is that if we want to have a split in Louisiana, hey, that's cool. I actually like the split, to be honest with you. I think it get. I think there are haves and have-nots. I think there are competitive advantages within certain schools. I actually like the split. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Sue me, whatever. But if we're going to do it, why are we only picking and choosing and cherry-picking a certain amount of schools to do it in? If I were a volleyball coach in Louisiana, if I were a soccer coach in Louisiana, if I were a track and field or cross-country coach in Louisiana, I would be livid that the LHSAA and their executive committee or whatever whatever the heck they're called continuously says, yeah, we think this is an issue, but we only think it's an issue in the big sports. Because that's basically what they're saying, right? These other sports, we don't care enough about y'all to to make any type of sweeping reform. Y'all could just do whatever. Y'all could could just stay together. We don't really much pay attention to y'all. That's basically what they're saying. And that's a shame. If we're going to have a split, let's make it a universal split. And if volleyball and soccer and track and swimming and cross country aren't going to be split apart, then maybe let's explore getting everything back together. Because why should a public school volleyball kid go into their season every single year knowing, hey, I just can't win the state championship this year. I'm at a huge disadvantage. I got to compete against these other schools that are getting kids from all over. I I know I could bust my butt and, and practice hard and train, but I, I likely can't win a state championship. Whereas on the other side, it is split apart for basketball and baseball and softball and everything of the sort. This is a mess. This is a grand mess. And I urge every athletic director and coach and principal who are listening, and we have a large audience of them, and I'm thankful for all of you, Don't let this fall on deaf ears. Scream until they have to listen to your screams. If you got a plan that you think works better, draft it. Write it out. Let everybody know what it is, and let's figure this thing out. I don't trust Mr. Bonine. Most of you all, even though you probably wouldn't come on the air and say it because, you know, it's a controversial thing to say, and, you know, he is your leader, and you don't want to publicly betray your leader— Let's be honest, you guys don't trust him either. I speak to you all in private. I know how you feel. You guys don't trust him either. I don't trust him. You don't trust him. Let's do something to make this right. Because what's happening right now is the adults in the room are making sweeping decisions that are hurting, guess who? Not the adults, that are hurting the kids. The Louisiana high school, let's emphasize the words high school, because we're dealing with high school kids the Louisiana High School Athletic Association is making changes routinely with adults locked in a room that are impacting kids, K-I-D-S, underlined, bold, all caps, kids. It's They're being impacted in a negative way based on the decisions that the adults are making because the adults don't have the balls to enforce the rules that are in the rule book because the adults don't want to get sued and don't want to go to court and have another Andrew Robinson situation all over again. Point blank, period. If the adults in the room had the stones and the courage to enforce the rules in place, we would not have any of these issues that we're dealing with right now. Not a single one. Mic drop.
Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Keegan Pokey of LCO here on Play by Play. We'll be right back after this. It's Ram Power Days at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups of their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Whether you need a truck for work or home life, the Ram will do its job. Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. People just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. And the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your state farm agent has your back too. Through good times and the not so good. And who's got your agents back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at DufresneLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you and load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. Welcome back to Play by Play. Boy, we just went off on the LHSA. You can hear that in the archives a little later today. Uh, now let's talk some middle school football. LCO is going to be taking on Raceland today at South Lafouche High School. We have their coach, Keegan Pokey, on the line now. Coach, good morning, buddy. How are you? Doing well, Casey. What about you? Doing fine, man. Uh, you guys got a big one today, taking on a Raceland team that is, um, they're talented. You know, they're very talented, got a lot of athletes, got a lot of size. Big challenge for your team, dude. And I know you were kind of a little concerned last week, but you said, hey, we play Thursday. It's a very short turnaround, not a lot of practice time. Are you guys ready to roll? Yeah, and I truly believe that. I think we're ready. Um, I think our, our type of team that we have uh, fits this matchup. Uh, I think it's going to be a, a brawl tonight. I think it's going to be hit each other in the mouth for four quarters and see who comes out on top at the end. But I think we're ready. I think we've been ready since May. I think we've been grinding since May. And I, I think all those workouts, all those practices are putting us in place right now to do something really special. Coach, you know, I'm, I'm noticing a trend, bro. You guys are playing West. It's a closer game in the first half. The second half, you guys separate and pull away. Sixth ward was kind of the same way. It was a closer game in the first half. Second half, you guys pull away. 
A, what does it speak to the adjustments that you guys are making at halftime? But B, what does it speak to what you just said a minute ago? You guys just don't get tired and you keep pushing. Yeah, and, uh, you know, at practice, man, we focus on the little things. We don't even do conditioning uh, at the end of practice. We, uh, we feel like we could get the conditioning in uh, during practice. Like our running backs probably run 30 yards every single play. And our linemen are sprinting out of the huddle every single play. Uh, we're harping on those things. We're being disciplined for those guys. The, the kids are actually being disciplined for themselves. They're holding themselves accountable. And uh, our coaching staff does an excellent job of adjustments. The kids bought into our adjustments that we had the last two games that you were speaking about. Uh, for the six-war game, they were kind of beating us a little bit on the pass. We made some adjustments at halftime. The kids bought in. And um, I think our conditioning overtook at the end, and we just were able to pull out the win. But it was a lot, like you said in the article, it was a lot closer of a game than uh, what the score indicated for sure. They did an excellent job. Uh, they did an excellent job coming out of the gate and, and doing some things we hadn't seen before. Very good. Coach, one of your biggest horses got a little nicked up in the last ball game, bro. How's he doing? Is he available for you tonight? Yeah, he, uh, he, he took a little hit. He actually went to the doctor's, the grade one um, hamstring uh, strain. But um, tonight he's going to be out. So we're going to be rolling without him tonight. But uh, I, I really think we're prepared, and I think the kids are going to step up. I, I truly believe we got one of the better offensive linemen uh, or offensive line in general. Um, so any back we have, I think if they hit the hole, I think we're going to be fine. But we're going to we're going to be without him tonight on offense and defense. So we're out of join Eric VJ tonight. So that was going to be the next question. I mean, obviously, I know that you guys got a lot of guys that could carry the ball and touch the ball defensively. Who are some of the kids that step up and play that other linebacker spot? Yeah, so Camden Sherman's going to move back to middle linebacker, which he had played the first three games. We had just put Sharkey in that middle linebacker spot last week. So he's going to go ahead and fill in. We're going to take Isaiah Kidd. We had rested Isaiah. Isaiah had a little shoulder injury against the Golden Mountain game. We've been resting him on defense. But he's uh, he's one of our better linebacker, uh, tackling linebacker, filling linebacker that we have on our team. So we're going to move him back to outside linebacker. Uh, where he played the first couple games of the season. So we're going to move him back there, and uh, that's what we're going to roll with tonight. Very good. Uh, Raceland, as we said earlier in the interview, a lot of size, a lot of athleticism. How do you keep those guys in front of you and make sure that they don't get those big plays? We're going to get to them before they get started. So we, uh, we're looking to, to bring a little bit. Uh, last year we did an excellent job uh, putting pressure in the middle. Uh, so once we put the pressure on the middle, if we get to them before the, the handoff is even being made or right when the handoff is being made, we could stop those athletes from coming uh, downhill. And they got a big back in number 10. Uh, we expect them to hit them before the, the line of scrimmage. Hopefully we can do that. If we do that, we can be fine. If we contain their quarterback, too, as well, uh, racing is known for going ahead and doing a lot of quarterback bootlegs. So we got to make sure when we're on the weak side or on the strong side that our outside contains uh, hitting that quarterback no matter, if he has a quarter, uh, no matter if he has a football or not. That was kind of the next question I was asking. You kind of half answered it there is that, you know, Tackling's a big issue. They got some big, big boys that run that football. I'm sure you guys are going to be preaching, hey, don't just you know arm tackle. You got to get in them legs and wrap up and bring them all the way to the ground. Yeah, gang tackle too. You know, uh, when one person gets there, we look back on film a lot of times with a six-word film. Um, one person got there and we're kind of just like, okay, he's going to make the tackle. This week we preach, hey, one person gets there, that's just for another opportunity for all of us to join in on the party. So we're going to go ahead and make sure we gain tackle, tackle, make sure we're pursuing to the ball, make sure we get into the ball. No matter if the ball is on the outside of the field or not, we're going to uh, we're going to stress pursuit and get to the ball carry no matter what. Uh, your offensive line, I know that's a big area where you guys feel like you have an advantage every time you play. Coach, i got to tell you, and I'll send you this clip whenever we get off. 
there was a video that I had shot from the field. It was a run. It was like an inside run. And you guys got like seven, eight yards. But on the tail end of the play, it's a tight end and an offensive tackle who are blocking and are driving and are just pancaking the heck out of their guy like 25 yards down the field. I'll send it to you when we get off, but I'm sure you guys see it when you're watching on Huddle too. Those guys just don't stop blocking, dude. I know that's got to be a treat to see. Yeah, um, we, we challenged them after the West Civil game, you know, blocking to the whistle, and they, they stepped up to that challenge. But last week, we um, we came off the field. Last week, we were happy with the win. We were kind of concerned about our defense a little bit. Um, but when you go back and look on film, last week our offensive line did an unbelievable job. That was probably our best look um, that we have looked so far this year on, on the offensive side. The very, very first possession was like a textbook. Like our offensive line was firing off the ball. Um, it almost looked like a high school line, how well they were doing it. But, yeah, our tackles, our tight ends, our tight ends stepped up. They weren't even in penciled in to be our starting tight ends. But we look at them, the, the way they come off the ball, the way they drive people, Ryan Burden and Noah Kidd, um, they need to be somewhere on the field. And we found that the tight end spot was a perfect spot for them. But our tackles, Bo Georges, uh, Carter Collie do an excellent job driving to the whistles, uh, to the hear the whistle. Big Donovan Richard, Preston Munez. Uh, do an excellent job in the garden, and our anchor at center does an excellent job getting the ball to the quarterback and also doing his uh, – he's a little scrappy fellow. Jack Wish is a scrappy fellow, and that's what we love about him as well. Tell me about Cullen Santamont. He's a guy who plays all over for y'all, dude. Like, there are some times where he's on the line. I've seen him play in the defensive backfield at times. Like, he's a very versatile player, big, long, lanky, athletic. He's a guy who could play just about any position, can he? Yeah, and that, that's one of those guys too. We're like, hey, we gotta find somewhere on the field for this guy. Like, we can't, we can't just have him on the sideline. We need to find somewhere on the field. And he's like a DN, a linebacker. And uh, last week we put him at free safety too when we we're going to a passing look. But yeah, he's a he's a contained guy. He does an excellent job for us. He's a he's a great leader too. He's very positive. Uh, he takes coaching really well. When we get on him about some small things, he says yes sir, no sir. And then he goes about his business, but he's doing an excellent job for us. He's uh, always in the right spot, and he makes some he makes some really big plays against that West Thibodeau game uh, in the open field. That we're like, okay, maybe he's more of a guy in space, and that's kind of where we're pulling him around. Um, when we are containing with the defense end, you will see him there. When we contain him down on linebacker, you see him there. And then any passing down that we feel like they might take a deep threat uh, deep, we'll go ahead and put him back because he could, he could be a ball hawk. He's really athletic. He's really gifted. He'd get up a ball. He, uh, during PE last week, we seen him grab rim like nothing. And I was like, oh, God, we got two guys on our basketball team that grab rim now. I was pretty excited about that. That's really cool, dude. Um, you guys are – okay, tell us about this. You know, you said you want to shore up some things in your secondary because they hit you with a couple of passes last week. How do you rep that? Because, like, you guys don't traditionally throw the ball a ton. So, like, how do you work on it in practice when that's not the offense that you run? Yeah, and uh, it's more just our reach. Like a, a lot of times our cornerbacks, their eyes are in the backfield. And even at the high school level, I coached uh, the secondary at the high school level the three years I was there. Uh, a lot of times if your eyes are in the backfield, you're going to get burnt. Um, so our eyes were in the backfield a little bit against six ward. And then <clears throat> well, at this level, if you get beat once, okay, you, you kind of tip the hat to them. But more than likely at this level, the, the next play or in, uh, uh, if there are need of a play, whatever play worked, more than likely they're going to. And we kind of told Terry Brad that uh, at the end of the half. We're like, Terry, they, um, they've they been hitting us with a slant after they go in motion. I said, you don't think they're going to throw it again? He's like, yeah, probably still. I said, how about you just sit on the slant then? 
So he's seen it enough. We've seen it about five different times for them to realize, hey, look, they're not doing anything fancy. We just got to go ahead and read our keys, and then that's going to be it. But in practice, reading the keys, preaching to them, preaching to them, and in the game, just preaching the same thing and just having them be disciplined enough to be coachable enough to understand, hey, look, I'm, I'm being told this for a reason, and I'm going to go ahead and, and do the job that I need to do. Golden Metagon win last week, and look, you know, not to try to jinx them or nothing, but I think they're going to be favored to win again this week. And look, you guys are rivals when you face one another, but I know you're rooting for them when they're not facing you because, man, they all become tarpons at the end of the day. I'm sure that made you smile seeing the Coach Gira and the crew got one last week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a couple of guys, it's crazy, a couple of guys, they, they came over after the game and said, uh, the, a gold medal, like three or four gold medal kids, like, Coach, y'all, somebody forgot their helmet. And I was like, oh, perfect. So they gave us a help, and we started talking to them a little bit. It's always good to hear them uh, speak uh, about good things. You know, we want them all to succeed because, like you said, when they go to South Coast, they're all tarpons in the end. But, uh, yeah, it was awesome to hear that. I really think Gordon Meadows not done winning, like you had said in your uh, podcast with Coach Curo. Uh, I think they do the little things right. I, I think they're going to sneak up on a couple of people. I think uh, they play the correct brand of football. They play the, the brand of football that I love, hitting you in the mouth. Uh, don't do anything really fancy, and they just play the correct way that football should be played. So I, I don't think they're done winning. I think they're, I think they're maybe a quarter away from doing some really special things over there too as well. Yep, I agree. Um, tell us about your MVP chain. How did you guys come up with that idea? I saw Cantor. I was rocking the MVP train, uh, chain. That's pretty cool, man. Yeah, it was a uh, a random day in the office last year. I think it was probably a rain out there or something like that. And uh, I looked down and it had a chain. It used to. When Coach Thad was here, they did a, uh, a turnover chain where someone got a turnover you wear on the sideline. And uh, I took the chain and I said, you know what, let's do an MVP chain. So the coaching staff after each game they decided who's the MVP of the game. Once we decide who's the MVP of the game, that week they'll go ahead and have the chain. He rocks it. He, uh, he rocks it around school and everything. He, uh, <laughs> matter of fact, got it taken away today because someone thought that he wasn't supposed to have it. So I, I'm in possession of the MVP chain right now, but during seventh hour, he's just getting it. Well, hopefully at the end of the night, the MVP chain goes somewhere else to a player who makes big plays, man. Thanks so much for the time. Good luck tonight, buddy. Thank you, Casey. Appreciate it. Yep, that is Coach Keegan Pokey with LCO Middle School doing a wonderful job. They are uh, hosting Raceland tonight, 6 o'clock, South Lafouche High School. Um, man, I've had bad luck with middle school. The last, like, two or three games that I've gone to have had lightning delays or rain, and I don't anticipate – that's me knocking on wood – I don't anticipate rain tonight, so hopefully we'll be able to get that one off without any type of issue. Let's catch a break when we get back. We'll talk a little bit about Monday Night Football. There was some madness yesterday on Monday Night Football. Some crazy things happened on Monday Night Football, and we'll recap all that in the next segment. It's play-by-play on KLEB. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000.
Looking to achieve a healthier lifestyle but have little time? The Terrebonne General Executive Health Program can improve your overall health for a lifetime in one visit. With little to no waiting, you get a whole year of wellness in one convenient location. Our preventative screenings increase your well-being by providing early detection against illness. With exceptional VIP service, you leave with a plan in hand to achieve a healthier lifestyle tailored for you. Call the Terrebonne General Executive Health Team at 985-850-6204 today. As a leader in the oil and gas industry, Joe's Septic Contractors caters to oil field clients offering vacuum truck service for offshore tanks, vessels, or treatment plants containing sewage or gray water. Their rental department offers state-of-the-art offshore portable toilets, also holding tank rentals and portable hand-washing stations. Call Joe's Septic Contractors 24-7-985-632-5592 in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, and Reserve, or visit their website at joesseptic at viscom.net. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafouche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear, Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control, safe, effective, guaranteed. Lady of the Sea Community Pharmacy staff are trained in finding the lowest cost available on your medication. Stop by with your prescriptions or medicine bottles and let one of us review your options with you. With two convenient locations to serve you, we're located in Rouse's Supermarket, Highway 3235 in La Rose, or at Lady of the Sea Medical Clinic in Cutoff. Our staff available Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 7 p.m. and Saturdays 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. We treat you like family at Lady of the Sea. Last night was a fun television night for me. I was watching Monday Night Football. I was watching Monday Night Raw. I was watching Major League Baseball. I was watching everything in between. It was a great night to be a sports fan. It's play-by-play here on KLEB. We thank Coach Geek and Pokey for the time in the last segment of the show. In addition to LCO and Raceland, if you're like, let's say, a Central or North Lafouche person tonight, we've also got Six Dwar traveling to take on East Thibodeau over at Thibodeau High School. That's at 6 o'clock. Middle school schedule for the week. Tomorrow, we've also got Bayou Blue traveling to take on Golden Meadow. That's at South Lafouche. Then on Thursday, EDY taking on West Thibodeau. That's probably the game of the week, y'all, to be honest. Um, and then HL Bourgeois, well, this is high school, HL Bourgeois taking on Ellender on Thursday as well. So we've got a busy football schedule. Now, let's talk some professional. Um, Look, man, I try my best to not be the dude who beats up on the coaches all the time. Sometimes, you know, they just, they they can't get out of their own way and they deserve to get a rap on the knuckles. The Broncos last night under Nathaniel Hackett was, look, they they get Nathaniel Hackett in the offseason and it's kind of out of left field. 
right? He was the Green Bay offensive coordinator. Before that, he had been offensive coordinator some other places. Didn't have tremendous amounts of success. A lot of folks were kind of wondering, like, hey, could we have maybe not done a little better than this? But anyway, that's where they wanted to go. The Broncos were a steaming hot mess last night. They committed. Well, first off, they lost 17-16 to to the Seahawks, which in and of itself is not ideal. Seattle's not very good. They got Geno Smith. They're rebuilding. They're not very good. But then in addition to that, there were just so many mistakes that were made by Denver, preventable mistakes made by Denver throughout the course of the game. Their red zone offense, they made it into the red zone four times in the game. Didn't score a single touchdown. They made it to the one-yard line twice in the game. Didn't score a single touchdown out of either of those. How many times, y'all? This drives me crazy. This is maybe my number one football pet peeve. How many times do we see a team on third and one, fourth and one, or on plays at the goal line line up in shotgun instead of going under center, handing the ball to the ball carrier in the backfield and losing yards or losing position? The Broncos were doing it over and over again last night. You're at the one-yard line. Go under center. Run a dive. Run a fullback dive. Something of the sort. Run a quarterback sneak. Just go forward. The By going backwards and by snapping the ball five or six yards backwards, you're giving the defense an advantage. Shotgun is a, form, a formation designed to allow the quarterback to better see down the field because the field is spread. At the goal line, you don't need the field to be spread. The defense isn't concerned about you beating them deep on a bomb. You're at the one-yard line. So Hackett's inability to adjust to that and continue to run into the brick wall out of the shotgun over and over and over again was maddening. It was frustrating to see. It was brutal. In addition to that, the Broncos were a penalty machine last night. They committed 12 penalties for 106 penalty yards pre-snap penalties, false start, offsides, holding. Like they were just committing nothing but penalties throughout the course of the game. It was a mess. And then we got to talk about the elephant in the room, which is what were they doing at the end of the game? It's 17-16. to 16. The Broncos have the ball. They're about at midfield, near midfield, maybe like maybe a yard across, maybe the 49, whatever it may be. They're at midfield. It's fourth down and five. There's a minute to go on the clock. They get on the ball because the last pass had been completed inbounds. The receiver got tackled inbounds, and the clock is running. You got all three timeouts. I'm thinking one of two things is going to happen. I'm thinking either A, and I think either of the thoughts that I have here that I'm about to share would have been acceptable ways to handle this. Either A, as soon as the guy's tackled after third down, you call your first timeout and set up fourth and five and you know get your best play set up, go for it, and go try to win the game, kick a long field goal, or even a medium-range field goal as you continue to move the ball. That's okay. I think that's a reasonable solution. Option B, you get on the ball, you don't call timeout, you run a quick no-huddle play, and if you don't get the first down, you still got all three timeouts. You could... You know, go timeout, 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 make them punt, get the ball back with about 30 seconds left. Hey, that's not great, but at least you have a, a, sh- a chance. They elected instead to do option C. 
which was run the clock all the way down to 20, not even try to hard count or anything to try to get them to get the first down artificially, call a timeout with one when the clock is now at 20, and then kick a 64-and-a-half-yard field goal. And on top of that, in addition to kicking the 64-and-a-half-yard field goal, as they were calling timeout, the snapper snapped the ball, the kicker kicked a free, like a trial kick, and he missed it badly. So you had a free trial run to see, hey, he can't make that kick, no chance in hell. And you still did it anyway. Nathaniel Hackett gets an F for how he handles that late-game situation yesterday. The Denver Broncos traded multiple draft picks to get Russell Wilson. They invested more than $100 million in Russell Wilson. And you do that so that you could go far on fourth and five and you could get the first down and you could get 15, 20 yards deeper down the field and you could kick a 45-yard field goal and you could win the game in Seattle. Could have done all that. But poor coaching decisions along the way kept them out of the winner's circle. I'm not the guy who's going to sit here and judge an entire coaching tenure by one game, right? Because it happens. But Nathaniel Hackett's got some work to do because how he handled that late game situation last night ain't it. Every single thing that they could have and should have done, he went the opposite way, and it didn't work in any shape nor form. And Seattle, as a result, gets a victory and improves to 1-0 while the Broncos drop to 0-1 in a division where you can't afford to drop games to Seattle because you're with Kansas City and Las Vegas and Los Angeles Chargers, and it's a brutal division to be in. So, now let's talk about this. Um, We got a little bit of clarity on the Dak Prescott situation. He is out six to eight weeks uh, with a thumb injury, having thumb surgery. Jerry Jones announced today he is not going to put Prescott on the injured reserve because they think there's a slight outside chance that he could be back within the next two or three games. Um... I don't know if that's wise, <laughs> uh, but I don't know that a lot of things that the Cowboys do are wise, but they're holding out hope that Prescott will be back sooner rather than later. Um, some New Orleans Saints pieces of information. The Saints are taking on Tampa. This is going to be a big game for both teams, right? Um, Tampa wins week one over Dallas, 19-3. to They look good doing so. The Saints kind of squeak out a win over Atlanta, 27-26, to a game where, eh, at times it wasn't all that great, but they found a way on the road, and look, they deserve all the credit for that. A couple of things here. Can New Orleans run the ball like at all on Tampa? I don't know that that's going to be something that they're going to be able to do, quite frankly, because running the football was a struggle against Atlanta. The Tampa defensive front is much stronger, much more stout. Uh, That's going to be a big key. Second thing I'm looking to see, can the Saints defensive line push back the Tampa offensive line? In years past against Tampa, the reason why New Orleans has had so much success against those guys is because they have been able to generate a rush and get in Tom Brady's face and force him into some errant throws, force the timing of the Tampa Bay offense to be off. Everything on paper says, yeah, why wouldn't you just be able to do that again? But everything on paper also says that the Saints defense would have been able to shut down the Atlanta offense and they were not able to do so. So that week two matchup is going to be very enticing. Because, y'all, this is an NFC, and I talked about this on yesterday's show. This is an NFC that I just don't think is any good. I think this is an NFC where it's wide open. Outside of just like a very small handful of teams, I think that we've got a whole lot of teams 
that are just in that mediocre 500 type range. I think the entire NFC East is in that mediocre 500 range, all four teams. I think that in the NFC North, you got Green Bay and Minnesota who can maybe get to 10 or 11. The Lions won't be any good. The Bears won't be any good. The South, the Bucks will be up there. The Saints are kind of in that 500 range, but they can make a statement that they're better than that Sunday against Tampa. Atlanta and Carolina aren't any good. In the West, if the 49ers don't fix their quarterback issues, they're not going to be very good. If the Rams don't start firing out and get Matt Stafford going, they're not going to be any good. The NFC is wide open right now, and this is an opportunity for New Orleans to get a little bit of capital, to gain a little bit of ground, and to show, hey, man, we are, we're in this thing. We're in the mix for this thing, but they're going to have to play a cleaner game than they did on Sunday because if you fall behind 26-10 to 10 against the GOAT, guess what? <laughs> You're losing to the GOAT. The GOAT ain't blowing a 26-10 to 10 lead like Atlanta did. And, um, yeah, that's just, that's just the way that that's going to be. Other big NFL matchups this coming week that folks are excited about. We've got our first Thursday night matchup of the season, and it's going to be a good one. Uh, you got the Los Angeles Chargers who will be taking on the Kansas City Chiefs out in Arrowhead. That'll be a great matchup. You've also got Carolina and the Giants. That'll be good. New England and Pittsburgh. That it should be solid. Miami and Baltimore is enticing. Those are two teams on the ups. Uh, Cincinnati and Dallas. Arizona and Las Vegas. Tennessee and Buffalo on Monday night will be good. So it is a loaded week to schedule. You've also got Minnesota and Philadelphia next Monday as well. So let's catch a break. When we get back out of this break, we're going to go to Stan Grava. It's Tuesday. It's our Terrible General Tuesday, and we'll chat with Stan about that in the next segment of the show. We'll talk a bunch of local sports. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. The music on the bayou, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you. And load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafourche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. you have a pest control problem, Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business. They carry a full line of professional products for termites, mosquitoes, ants, wasps, fleas, bedbugs, mice and rats, or any other pest control needs you may have. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Call 985-475-3314. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. 
The Cutoff Youth Center's Hurricane Festival is back and better than ever September 23rd through the 25th. The fair kicks off with music by Orange, followed by the Gordon Bradbury Band. Saturday's lineup is Ben Bruce and the Acadians, Rough and Ready, and music by Shorts in December. And on Sunday, it's no other than the famous Waylon Thibodeau. Enjoy pay one price rides, great Cajun food, auctions, craft boots, and a raffle drawdown for $6,000. Free parking and free admission. So join us for the Cutoff Youth Center's Hurricane Festival, September 23rd through the 25th. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. At Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. Terrebonne General Health System, where medical science meets the art of caring, is committed to providing the latest advances in medical technology with a gentle caring touch. This is evident in our high-tech, high-touch approach to healthcare. As a trusted healthcare resource, we deliver both life-saving, compassionate inpatient services and life-changing preventive care, while also providing wellness needs and outreach throughout the Bayou region. To learn about how Terrebonne General is providing innovative healthcare solutions, visit tghealthsystem.com. Welcome back to Play by Play. It is Tuesday, everybody. That means it's our Terrebonne General Tuesday. We've got Stan Gravois on the line. Stan, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Hey, Casey. Doing well. Uh, Beautiful day outside, and I hope it stays that way the rest of the week. I just said the same. It is a very pretty day outside today, man. Hopefully, we can get some good football weather on the high school level. We had some good matchups. E.D. White roars. They get another shutout. Thibodeau flexes their muscles. Uh, Vanderbilt gets a win. CCA gets a win. What stood out to you in week two, man, as some of our local teams stood up proud and got some wins? Well, ironically enough, it's about teams that are not getting wins, but I just hope that everybody understands they're getting better. One is Central Lafouche. I think Central Lafouche is a much-improved football team. Of course, they're 0-2, and I know that's hard for people to sort of comprehend, but I do think that Coach Vidros is doing a good job with that team out there. I think Homer Christian is getting better. I know a one-point loss to CCA doesn't sit well with them, but they played better, and they're being competitive, and that's all you can hope for out of the kids. And then I think South Terrebonne is getting better. I think there's a ways to go there, too. But but I think there are some teams that just don't have any wins to show for it, but they're getting better. And then there's those things we definitely always knew, and that's that E.D. White is really, really good, and everybody better watch out. And that Thibodeau has some terrific athletes, and you better watch out. You better be playing a full 60 minutes when you play in those guys. Or I shouldn't say 60 minutes, whatever a high school football game is. Uh, so there are those things we kind of know, too. And then I'll even throw in the, what we don't know, and that's like your assumptions, right? <laughs> we, don't, we don't know anything about assumption yet because they've only played one game, and then you have 
even a Lutcher Sardo on the fringe out there who lost a uh, a game to St. Charles Catholic, who I'm sure is very, very good. So I, I, I think, and we've said this on, on the sports corner, I, I think we're going to find out a lot after week three. After week three, we could start really formulating who we think is going to be our front runners in districts. Not that districts mean anything, right? But who our who our potential uh, playoff teams might be. Yeah, and look, man, I agree with everything that you just said a minute ago about some of the teams that haven't got one yet but who need one. And look, man, I was actually asking Butch uh, Terrio about this yesterday. We had him on the show, and the question that I ask is the same question that I'll ask you is, how long does the, you know, hey, we're getting better moral victory thing last? And well, it was at some point, you've got to get one. You've got to get a win. At some point, for the kids to continue to compete and, and then buy in at the full capacity of their, you know, ability to compete, you've got to get a win. And it feels like that time is pretty close to right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would say, again, using three games as a measuring stick, if you're rolling three, some kind of way. It doesn't matter if you played three of the best teams in the state of Louisiana and you're 0-3. It starts to creep in that maybe you just can't get over the hump. And I think that's actually what's going to happen after these first three games to some of these teams. South Terrebonne's got another really tough opponent. Central LaPouche's got another really tough opponent. Homer Christian, I think, has a winnable game. They're playing an 0-2 team, yet I think that team is sort of in the same boat as them. So, I would agree with you. Uh, a kid who's uh, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old is going to start to get a little demoralized after a while, no matter what the coaches are telling them, especially if you had the opportunity to win one of those earlier games and you just sort of couldn't get it done. That's going to be the biggie. And uh, I think we saw some of the teams in the area kind of go through that this weekend. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Somewhere along the line, you got to get a win. And if you don't, then you just become demoralized for the rest of the year. I hate that I've even got to ask this, um, but, I mean, it is what it is. We wouldn't be doing a service to our listeners if we didn't. There are so many people that are wondering about the comings and goings and the movings and the shakings, and I haven't yet seen a coach or heard a coach who said, yeah, man, no, I like that plan. That's going to work out great. Um, the LHSA did some big things. I know you've got some thoughts. I've got some thoughts. I shared my thoughts at the beginning of the show. I think this is crazy. I think that the process with which they followed to do this is even crazier. Um, what are you thinking, man? This is a historic moment in the history of the association, and everybody's walking on eggshells because they're not sure how this is going to play out. Yeah, I don't understand it. I even said on Saturday that I've, I've, I've sort of thought that I've always been the guy who was not necessarily an advocate for the LHSAA, but a guy who said, come on, let's look at it you know, from their side, or come on, it's a really tough decision to make, and they're trying to do what's best. This one, I, I can't justify any of that. I, I don't know where best for kids comes into any of this. I don't know where logic comes into any of this. It's totally beyond me. And, and it's not just and, – and, and I'm sure there's some high schools out there that are sitting there going, hey, we fall into a pretty good situation here, right? But when you look at it all around, it's 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 weird all the way around. You know, I go back to Kyle Sang telling us that, look, we've been dealing with this for the last five or six years. We're a triple-A school that has to play in Division Two for the playoffs. And he's right. So this is not something that just started. It's something we're compounding. We're making worse. Uh, to have 
some of these schools go up and some of them go down is ridiculous. I started really delving into it a little bit more on Sunday night, and I noticed that you have teams like Riverside Academy no longer is going to play in Division Three. They're going to play in Division Four when they've been in Division Three, but they're playing in a Division, excuse me, a Classification Two district. And then I'm going, so this is all across the state. It's really, it's really hard to wrap your brain around. And then just to think, you know, we mentioned this also. You have a school like Ellender Memorial, who in football is probably one of the most populated schools in Division Two non-select. But in basketball, they're going to be the least populated school in Division One non-select. So you're basically saying to them, here, you can have the opportunity to win in football, but there's not much of a chance for you to win in basketball. I don't even know if not much of a chance. I don't know if any chance at all, to be quite honest with you, because to get five kids on a basketball court when you get to choose from, say, 900 to 1,000 kids and another school is choosing from 2,000 kids, it's really it's, it's sort of absurd. So now this one I can't take up for. The only thing I think I'm really dead wrong on is I thought something would start to happen like today, maybe this week, we'd start here rumbling. But from what I'm hearing, this is how it's going to be. So maybe we just need to get used to it and shut up, Casey. Well, the next question I'm going to ask is probably the shadiest thing of it all, and it's why there's nothing that's happening. Brian shared this with me yesterday. There's a deadline to create proposals to change the handbook at the annual convention. Do you know when that deadline is? It's already passed, August 31st. So any change or any effort, like they knew what they were doing with the timing of all of this. Any idea of, oh, we'll just fix it in January? Nope, that deadline has come and passed. So they were being asked to craft proposals to tweak a system that the principals didn't even know what the system was going to be yet at that time. Isn't that ridiculous? It's ridiculous. There's three entities who always had a vote in what goes on with sports in Louisiana under the guidance of the LHSAA. There were principals. But the downside of that was that sometimes you had coaches and you had other people around the state going, principals shouldn't do this. A lot of principals are not sports-related. A lot of principals don't even know what happens in their sports programs. So throw that one to the side. The other one was is let's let athletic directors and coaches get involved. And I think that is fair and probably the fairest of the three that I'm going to mention. But the only thing even with coaches is, is they sort of look at things from their point of view, right? How is this going to benefit me because I'm a coach here and I want to be successful. And then the third one is, is you allow, (laughs) I hate to say it, but the powers that be in Baton Rouge do it. And that's what's happening right now. And they just, I, I don't think they have their finger on the pulse of what's happening around the state. And it's just really weird how we've gotten every year to it being a little bit more this, what it is now. And then you think somebody's going to step up and go, wait a minute, this is not even logical what we're doing. But that ain't happening, and this is what it is. And then you have coaches who at some point have to say, I have to stop worrying about this. I have to get ready for my season. It is what it is. And that's what we even saw that on Saturday, right? We had a couple of coaches on Saturday who said, look, it is what it is. I got to go play. I'm going to get my kids ready. I'm not going to pout. I'm not going to. So maybe we're at that stage where we just move on like it is. I do think a lot of the non-select and select 
bracket, so to speak, are not a bad thing, except the way they divided those brackets up is yeah. sort of ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, let's shift gears, talk a little college football. LSU kind of rides the ship a little bit against Southern. They got a 65-17 to 17 win. A couple of notes is first. You can't really pick up a whole lot. Southern's not very good, at, not especially not compared to the LSU level. I mean, it was fifty-one nothing and half. But the second thing is, anybody who thought there was like a legitimate quarterback controversy, they're wrong. I mean, Daniels got his opportunity, looked great. Nussmeier got his opportunity, quite frankly, looked not very good. Um, there's a clear starting quarterback in Baton Rouge, and his name is one Mister Jaden Daniels. The thing I like the most is, is LSU did what they had to do. They went out, they played, they forced some turnovers. Obviously, Southern is not at that level. I, you know, I, I think you know a couple of years ago when Nichols was going to have the opportunity to play LSU, they could have given them a little bit more of a competitive game. Nonetheless, LSU did what they had to do. Second, I, I, I agree with you 100%. I think that game sort of squelched any quarterback controversy. There's, that Nobody's going to say anything negative now because – the right guy is playing quarterback for sure. The run game opened up a little bit. It's hard to say with Southern. I, I truly believe, I don't know if they'd ever say this out loud, but I truly believe LSU started game planning for Mississippi State last Monday. And I hope that that pays off because I think that's obviously the bigger game, the game that's going to be so important for them. So uh, I'm looking for some improvement even from the Southern game. <laughs> 65 points. I don't know how much improvement you got to make, but obviously with the competition level of Mississippi State, this is where I think we we should see the biggest. This is where Brian Kelly maybe can show us that he was the right guy to get that job. One of the most impressive things that happened Saturday had nothing to do with football. Stan is that I know you're a music guy and you like you know the arts and everything of the sort. The Southern Band performed a halftime routine where they marched in the formation of the halftime score, which was 51 to 0. Stan, they didn't know the halftime score would be 51 to 0, which means that every single member of the band memorized the formations for every number combination, which is mind blowing to me. That was cool to see. They didn't mess it up at all. They just said, okay, 51 nothing, let's do it. That was impressive as heck, man. Well, you're going to think I'm sort of crazy, but I've been watching the southern band over years they've been doing this for about 10 years now so that's not a new thing okay that's cool oh no 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 they do that at the halftime of every southern game when they go to a saints game and they march at halftime of the saints game they get out there real quick and they do the halftime score so it's it's a built-in pattern obviously it's not easy i'm not telling you it's easy either but they they've been doing this for a long time they always go out and do the uh, score in formation uh, the one thing that I always I'm curious about is they probably have it all set, and if some team goes and scores with like one second left before <laughs> half, it probably screws up everything they do. Well, they didn't have to worry about that too, too much uh, the other night. The only thing is, is I was wondering if they were going to run out of band members to make the score at halftime. <laughs> right. Uh, you talked about Billy Napier's horseshoe. Boy, they must have been playing hand grenades out in the swamp Saturday. Kentucky puts it on them. Alabama struggles. Could have lost that game. Um, Texas A&M doesn't just get beat by Appalachian State. Statistically, they got dominated. I know they only lost by three, but statistically, Appalachian State put it on them. A couple of things that we thought we learned in week one in the SEC. Uh, maybe we should have waited and watched a little bit more. Well, one, this is my opinion. 
and it's certainly just my opinion, and maybe some others around the country. Jimbo Fisher is the most overrated Thank coach you. I think there is in college football. I've thought that a little bit before. Now I think it a lot. Two, Billy Napier, I am so happy, was the coach at my, my alma mater. He brought them to heights. I didn't think that that school could reach. But the way they won some of those games, I thought we'd come back and sort of bite him on the butt. And I think it sort of did against Kentucky this past week. And three, I know you people who are anti-Alabama don't want to hear what I'm about to say, say, but the worst thing that could have happened to Alabama was that scare at Texas and (laughs) to come out with a win because that ain't going to happen again too, too soon. I think they're ready. And I think Texas is better than, excuse me, better than they've been in a while. But watch out, man. I'm telling you, Saban's going to have that team ready now. Yeah, I can't disagree with anything that you just said there, man. Let's talk some NFL. Uh, Week one, I think we learned a lot. I think we learned that a lot of the power on the NFL side is on the AFC. I think the NFC is wide open. Tampa Bay, though they beat Dallas, eh, their offense in the red zone wasn't very good. Brady didn't look great. Dallas is a mess. The Rams are a bit of a mess. The 49ers, their quarterback looks real bad. There's a lot of issues in the NFC But on the flip side to that, New Orleans, speaking of teams that were a mess for a little while, the Saints didn't play well for three quarters, turned on the Jets, played well in the fourth. So the question I'm going to ask you is this, are the Saints more like the fourth quarter team we saw? Are they more like the first three quarters team that we saw? Or is it somewhere in the middle? Well, I would tell everybody to pump the brakes because it was the Atlanta Falcons, right? Uh... I think it's somewhere right in the middle of all of that. I don't think they're quite that or or they're going to be quite that efficient on offense all the time. But I think certainly they were stagnant early on and they sort of found a little something. So I think in the middle, uh, it was nice to see Mike Thomas come around a little bit. I agree with you wholeheartedly on the NFC. I I don't know who. I think it's wide open. I I guess you give the advantage to Tampa Bay right now because uh, they are who they are. But, uh, boy, right now, I, w- I would venture to say there's probably five or six AFC teams that I would put ahead of anybody from the NFC. You know what's really crazy, man, and, and let's talk about Tampa for a second, is, you know, like, as more and more of this is played out, we're learning kind of more of the fine, minute details between Tom Brady's retirement and comeback from retirement and then his absence, and it really seems like his family doesn't want him to play. To the point of where the wife is almost like, hey, I, I don't know if I could do this. And like they're apparently having marital issues. And Brady in every news conference that he's been having has been like getting emotional and tearing up when talking about playing. Like on one hand, as a purist, it's really cool in today's day and age where I think a lot of the guys like the money and the fame more than the actual sport itself. It's really cool to see a guy who just loves the game so much he can't let it go. But on the flip side to that, it is almost like watching a nightmare in that like this dude just doesn't know how to stop and it's going to take an injury or something to make him stop. That part just kind of got me a little bit nervous. Like This is a an interesting story that's playing out in Tampa, to say the least. Well, I do think it's the, it, it, this is it for him, obviously. I think he probably got himself backed into a corner of playing this year where if he could do it all again, he would stop. I think now he's stuck between letting a team and a city down 
and then letting his family down and he's trying to make it work both ways and just like family please hold on this is it for me let me finish this out i kind of committed to doing it on the other hand you know could you imagine if he got to the point where he said i quit like you know game four of the nfl season (laughs) he's perfectly healthy and he says i gotta go with my family i don't know that i've ever seen an nfl player do that and uh he may be the first, you know, he's the first in a lot of things. I didn't realize he's the oldest to throw a touchdown pass, and that happened this past week. Uh, so he's certainly special, but somewhere along the line, he, he may have to make a decision, quite honestly, of family or, you know, finishing out this year. Yeah, it's crazy. Nichols didn't play well again on Saturday. It's becoming a cause for concern, man. Now they've got Southeast Missouri on the road. They got a top 25 FCS win last week. Um, it's going to be a rough one for the Colonels again. They're going to have to play well. It's beginning concerning to see that offensively they're having a hard time moving the ball. They've only scored 14 points in the first two games. Um, they better start turning this thing around because October 1st is going to be right around the corner. That's the Southland Conference opener. Well, I didn't have the opportunity to see any of the footage from the ULM game, but it all sort of, all of the guys who are talking to me about it who went to the game or saw it are going back to what you said. They miss a lot of tackles. That on defense, there are problems there with missing tackles and maybe not getting the team off the field on third down conversions and things like that. You're right. Southeast Missouri is going to be tough, but if you think that's tough, the next week they play Jacksonville State. So that's going to be even tougher. So you can have to get a win. And then they went on the road to start all of these games, too. So it wasn't easy. But, yeah, you know, we talked about high school kids getting demoralized by not being able to get a win. Same thing will happen to collegiate kids after a while. So, yeah, I, I think winning this weekend is of the utmost importance for Nichols for the rest of the year. Yep, and you mentioned Jacksonville State. They're 3-0 with three straight blowouts to start off the season. Well, Stan, we thank you so much for the time, my friend. We'll chat again on Saturday, okay, brother? All right, Casey. Take care. Everybody have a great week. Yeah, you too, man. That is Stan Gravel with Terrebonne General doing a wonderful job, as always. Let's catch a break when we get back. We'll go over the headlines and figure some things out in the world of sports. We'll be right back after this. The music on the bayou, the rage and Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB and 102.7 FM. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. For nearly half a century, Tiger Rag Magazine has covered all things LSU sports. The 2003 National Championship with Coach Nick Saban. Tiger Rag Magazine was there. The 2007 National Championship with Coach Les Miles. Tiger Rag Magazine was there. And the undefeated season of the 2019 National Championship with Coach Ed Ordron. Tiger Rag was there with coverage from the practice field to the hoisting of the trophy. But in all these years of LSU sports moments, there has never been a more exciting time to be a Tiger fan than now. A new era has arrived at Tiger Stadium. Coach Brian Kelly has arrived in Baton Rouge with aspirations of grasping the one thing thing. that has eluded his illustrious career, a national championship. 
It takes hard work. It takes a commitment. Tiger Rag Magazine will be there every step of the way as Coach Kelly attempts to solidify his status in Louisiana immortality. Follow each moment with Tiger Rag Magazine on newsstands now online at TigerRag.com. Your life is mobile. So is your bank. As a state bank and trust company account holder, you can check your balances, view transactions, transfer funds, and pay bills anywhere or anytime with State Bank and Trust Company's online banking or mobility app. Call or stop by any State Bank and Trust location for all the details. State Bank and Trust Company, Cajun Banking, served just the way you like it. Member FDIC. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafourche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you. And load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. Welcome back to Play by Play. We thank Stan Gravois for his time on our Terrebonne General Tuesday. Casey Gisclair here. Um, let's talk a little Monday Night Raw. Okay, right? Like we talk wrestling here. Let's talk a little Monday Night Raw. I've got some good and I've got some bad. I've got some things that I want to say about yesterday's show. A couple of the good. There's some really good stories right now, man. I like anything that Seth Rollins is doing. The stuff he's doing with Riddle is really cool. I like the the Judgment Day stuff, you know, the, the Dominic Mysterio stuff. And, you know, is he going to eventually, you know, clock his dad and wrestle his dad and the stuff with Edge? And that's all pretty cool. Um, I like anything with Theory, or I guess now Austin Theory, uh, as he's gotten his first name back. The damage control women's tag team stuff is just, eh, it's whatever. Um, Kai and Sty, or Kai and Sky rather, is too close to Kai and Ty, which is an old Attitude Era team. And I always joke that, you know, Kai uh, reminds me of Cobra Kai. I, I don't know. I'm not crazy about the names or whatever in the combination. But anyway, uh, they, they get the women's championship victory. Those are all some, some pretty cool things. Now, the wrestling on the show has been better. And it's been more frequent. That's cool to see. The one thing that I don't like, and this is something that we could talk about here in this segment of the show, we've got to get a champion on Raw, man. Uh, this this thing of Roman Reigns is going to just never appear. Like It's becoming like the Brock Lesnar of old. We've got to get two titles back, like now. And we've got to we've got to start having some stakes again on Monday Night Raw. It's like they're trying to make the United States Championship that, and Lashley's doing as good of a job as he can, but it's just not the same. Like they've got to get a, a legitimate championship. Not a, let me 
rephrase that, but the United States Championship is a legitimate is a legitimate championship. They've got to get a world championship on Raw consistently. And on SmackDown too, mind you. They've got to figure something out. They've got to either take it off of Roman or um, find ways to get him to appear more regularly. Um, because what's good or what is the good of having a guy carrying around the money in the bank, the money in the bank briefcase saying, oh man, I could cash in at any time, become the champion at any time if the champion's never there. That takes that entire fun part of the story away. That takes all of your main event power away. So that's the one big knock that I would have on WWE right now is that without the presence of a consistent champion, it's really limiting the way that you could tell your stories and it's really hog-tying the creative team and limiting the things that they could do. I'm all for Roman being the champion for a long time, having a historic run and not losing and all that stuff. I, I'm all for that. Um, I don't dislike the bloodline. I, I like what they do. I think that it's a cool, like they're interesting heels and you know, they've got it rolling right now. But he's got to actually be there for it to work. And right now he hasn't been present for a long time, and that, that is disappointing to me. That's just my opinion. Maybe people disagree. But um, anyway, let's talk some Major League Baseball. My Braves can't win one, man. They took first place, sole first place over the weekend against the Mets. They haven't won a game since. Kenley Jansen has blown three out of six saves. His ERA is like 11 in the last month or something like that, something crazy. Um, the manager doesn't seem to think it's a problem. Oh, you know, he's going to be fine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he'll be fine. Um, one of the big stories that everybody's chasing right now is Albert Pujols, who's got 18 home runs on the season. He's now three away from 700. Not a Cardinal fan, but I'm rooting like heck for Albert to get to this benchmark. It would be great for the sport. It would be great for him. It'd be great for everybody involved if he could get to this benchmark. And... I don't know what Albert's plans are, and he's already kind of said that this is it. So maybe it would be, you know, not the best to kind of go back on that. But if he wanted to continue to play, like he still very much has something left. In the last, oh, let's see, in the last several months, he's been out of this world good. In the last 30 days, he's batting 324 in 71 at bats. He's got 10 home runs and 22 RBI. In July, he hit 320 with three home runs, seven RBI. In August, he hit 361 with eight home runs, 17 RBI. In September, it's been not quite as good, 240, but he's got three home runs and seven RBI. He started brutally slow to the year, um, but since that time, he has really turned on the Jets. And situationally, he's one of the best right-handed bats against left-handed pitching in the sport. He's batting 363 against lefties in 102 tries, 12 home run, 28 RBI. He's three short of the mark, and I sincerely hope, and I mean this, I hope he gets to it. I hope he gets to 700, one of the great players in the history of the sport. And by most accounts, you know, I hadn't really heard anybody say anything bad. One of the great dudes in the history of the sport, good teammate, everything of the sort. I hope he gets there, and I hope that he's able to cash it in and get to 700. Now, Major League Baseball playoffs are starting soon in the American League. The Astros are probably the favorites, right? You know, they've got 90 win, or 91 wins. They're 91 and 50. They're clearly in, in first place in terms of getting home field advantage. They're going to win their division. Um, there are some teams on the periphery, though, that I think could challenge them. I think the Yankees are, are being woefully left for dead. 
The Yankees had such an, an, a great start to the season, and then now they fell off of that pace, and everybody just completely jumped off the bandwagon and gave up on them. They still have the best run differential in, in, in baseball, or in the American League, rather, not in baseball. They have the best run differential, which a lot of experts say is that's the measure of who the best team is. They've got that. They're starting to play better baseball in recent weeks. Uh, let's see. Let's count them off. One, two, three, four, five, six out of eight. They've now won. They could pitch. They could hit home runs, and they could hit home runs in any weather. The wind's blowing in. If it's cold, whatever, they hit long home runs. In the playoffs, they'll still be able to hit home runs. And I think that that's going to help carry them into the postseason. And then also, once they get into the postseason, they'll be successful. I think that they're a team that's got a great shot. Tampa Bay, Toronto, uh Tampa, I don't think it hit it well enough. Toronto, I don't think it pitch it well enough. I wouldn't be as in favor of them. Seattle's a sleeper. They're that young team. They're not going to know any better, no telling what they could do. The Guardians are an interesting team. The Guardians are nine games above 500. Tito Francona, the manager, like I don't think they've got enough talent, right? I, I would say they're a big underdog, but they pitch very well. They could just get a couple of runs here there. They can maybe steal a playoff series with someone. The Guardians are an interesting case to me. They're a team that I think everybody should be paying attention to as we go forward in this thing. National League, I think it's going to be ah, pretty much down to four. I think it's going to be Mets, Braves, Dodgers, Cardinals. I don't see anything else. I don't I don't buy the Padres, bro. Like they They made their moves. They made their trades. They haven't gotten any better. Their lineup's a little deeper. They just... They don't have great vibe. They don't have great chemistry. Uh, I don't buy them as a realistic threat. Uh, the Phillies, I guess, if they got healthy, can maybe make a little bit of noise. But I think that clearly, and I I guess I'll be a homer, I think the Dodgers and the Braves, to be honest, are the two best teams just like last year. The Mets, I guess, would be up there. The Cardinals kind of the next tier. I think the Cardinals would actually be number three before the Mets. I just don't see it with the Mets, man. The Mets, since the All-Star break, have played a very, very easy schedule. They had every opportunity to separate, lift clean in place, and just go way past the Braves, and they haven't been able to do it. Um, they got a lot of pitching, right? But they don't hit very well, and I don't believe in that offense and whatever it may be. I just think they're going to struggle when it gets to the postseason. But we'll be following the MLB closely throughout. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we'll get betting picks, and then we'll wrap up today's show. It's play-by-play -play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. Home Health Services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health for the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. Speak to your physician today about Home Health Services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. Heather Hendricks here, your candidate for Lafouche Parish Judge Division A. Everyone votes in this race, from the Fouchon to the St. John community, up, down, and across the bayou. 
I've been your prosecutor for eight and a half years, trying over 100 jury and judge trials with federal, state, and local experience. Before practicing law, I was an eighth grade teacher in the public schools for 11 years. So remember, Heather Hendricks for judge. Early voting begins October 25th, and the election is November 8th. Paid for by the committee to elect Heather Hendricks. Water safety tips from Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. One, always designate a water watcher when children are in and around water. Two, wear your life jacket when on a boat or near open water. Three, remove toys from swimming pools when not in use. Four, empty all blow-up pools and buckets of water when not in use, as children can drown in as little as two inches of water. Five, check the water first if a child goes missing. Six, stay off and away from the rock jetties. And number seven, swimming lessons can reduce drownings by 88%. Learn to swim. RTC, ETEL, and Vision have always led the way in communications. A network built for every possibility. Internet, TV, voice, and security. And now, we're moving faster than ever before, propelling us forward into the future. That's what we call revolution. And the revolution is closer than you think. RTC, ETEL, and Vision are now Rev. New name, same company. Learn more at letsrev.com. This message sponsored by the Louisiana Workforce Commission. Our focus is to get you back to work, Louisiana. I'm Sine Villavaso. Coming to our office, we have the resources and services you need. The people who work here have the passion to do the work. One thing we want them to know is that they matter. There is a great need here in the city of New Orleans. One of the things that we're trying to do here is provide opportunities. We're ready to get the citizens of New Orleans back to work. Find out how the Louisiana Workforce Commission can help you at laworks.net. El Paso Mexican Grill and Steakhouse Highway 1 in Raceland features fantastic, authentic Mexican food and steaks. They have great lunch specials Monday to Fridays, plus enjoy happy hour from 3 to 7 p.m. with two-for-one margaritas. And on Fridays, it's two-for-one margaritas from open to close, plus live music on Friday evenings. El Paso Mexican Food and Steakhouse on Highway 1 Raceland. more segment to go on play by play I want to give a shout out to our buddy luke who's here chilling in the studio doing a good time with us as always here on play by play we want to thank our sponsors the blue boot foundation southland dodge and homa industrial power systems for all your engine and generator needs his power is our middle name different building materials got you covered for all your roofing needs buzz off the only all natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results rouse's markets feels like home Golden Motors, where price is priority, supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. Let's get you your betting picks, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, oh, goodness, y'all. I feel like I got to sneeze. The allergies are acting up here on the final segment of the show. I like the Astros to beat the Tigers. Minus one and a half run line today. Uh, Houston is just in a different level as Detroit. They're going to hit it better. They're going to field it better. They've got something to play for. The Astros put it on them good yesterday. They're going to put it on them good again today. Give me the Astros to take care of business and get a road win against the Detroit Tigers. Also in Major League Baseball today, I like my Atlanta Braves to cover a minus one and a half run line against the San Francisco Giants. Kyle Wright has been really good this season. He's throwing for Atlanta. Uh, the Braves need a win. They've lost three in a row. I think that Kyle Wright will be the guy to lead them to their next win. 
Give me Kyle Wright and the Atlanta Braves to get a victory today over the San Francisco Giants and cover that minus run and a half run line. I like today in Major League Baseball, give me, let's see, this one, which is I like the Guardians today to win covering minus 135 money line against the Los Angeles Angels. September baseball betting is you want to find teams that need to win facing teams that don't need to win. And that's exactly what this game is. The Angels are out of the chase. They're not going to the playoffs. The Guardians are in first place in the Central. Excuse me. And still have a lot to play for. They're trying to punch their postseason ticket. With that little bit of extra oomph, I think they'll be able to find a way to get it done. Thanks to everybody for listening today. It's been a wonderful show. Thanks to Coach Keegan Polky going out and watch the Bulldogs play at South Lafouche today. Thanks to Stan Gravois for his time as well. Um, reminder. Join us every Friday for varsity football coverage. Pre-game 6.30 p.m. Kickoff 7 o'clock p.m. South Lafouche taking on Central Lafouche. Our broadcast is sponsored by 3T Oil, Lady of the Sea General Hospital, State Bank and Trust Company, Advanced Eye Institute, State Farm Agent Ashley Barrios, Danos, Golden Motors, Dufresne Building Materials, and Tanner McGee for Judge Court of Appeals. In addition to Thibodeau Regional Medical Center, Joe Septic Contractors, Terrebonne General Medical Center, Southland Dodge, Rouse's Markets, South Lafouche Bank, Rev, and Heather Hendricks, candidate for Lafouche Parish Judge Division A. And when the game goes final, stick around after the lights presented by Grand Isle Shipyard, one of our top local supporters, is GIS. GIS is a, is a strategic energy partner with main headquarters located in Galliano, Louisiana. With over 20 locations and over 20 service offerings, GIS has expanded itself to provide their capabilities across the nation as well as globally. There are many opportunities available to join the GIS team. You can visit their website at www.gisy.com to learn more about starting your career with GIS today. Tomorrow, Taylor Griffin, BJ Young, and our mailbag. We've got a great show planned. Cannot wait. Same time tomorrow. You've been listening to Play by Play on KLEB. Have a wonderful rest of the day, everybody. May God bless you and your families. Take care. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274 DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.